Do outcomes in survival following brain tumor surgery correlate directly with the completeness of the resection? You're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. John Rugi. Dr. Rugi is the director of the Midwest Children's Brain Tumor Center at Lutheran General Hospital in Park Ridge, Illinois, and an assistant professor of surgery at Rush Medical College in Chicago. Today we are discussing optimizing patient outcomes in neurosurgery by direct intraoperative observation of the brain tumor. Hi, John. Thanks for joining us at the Clinician's Roundtable. Thank you very much for having me. So in answer to my question, do outcomes correlate directly with the amount of tumor removed? In general, yes. It's very clear in children that they do for most tumors. In adults, because of the infiltrative nature of some of the aggressive tumors, it's more controversial. The current state of tumor visualization now, what is your technique doing to make it better? This technique is a technique utilized in Germany and other countries for several years now, but it's a technique that allows the tumor cells to fluoresce or uh, when given a dye. Fluoresce meaning you can just see them? Yes, in the operating room, after we've removed what we think to be the entire tumor, a special wavelength of light is shown on the operative field, and the tumors will glow like red charcoal. What is the material that's put into the tumor, and how does it get there? It's called 5-ALA, or 5-aminolevulonic acid, and it's actually a normal or natural metabolite in hemoglobin synthesis, but it's given orally three hours before surgery. And then it's taken up specifically by tumor cells? Are there any other tissues in the brain that are taking it up? Well, there's a low level of activity, but it's taken up, it's been found in malignant tumors of the brain, exponentially higher concentration. This procedure, is it being done elsewhere in the United States, or how did you get involved with the project here in in America? Approximately five years ago, I went over to Munich, Germany, to learn the technique with Dr. Stummer, who's uh, really the lead man in this field and the developer of this technique. And I was interested because I saw his early publication, and I thought, yeah, this showed a lot of use in adults, but I was fascinated with the possibility of using it in children. Are you studying this under a NIH grant, or how is the funding coming for the project? The funding is from our Midwest Children's Brain Tumor Center in a FDA-approved, IRB-approved, Phase 1, Phase 2 protocol. Was there any difficulty in getting this through the IRB, Institutional Review Board, at Lutheran General Hospital? No, not really. Just sort of the normal precautions and methods, but it went through fine. Now, what makes this a significant step forward? We have PET scans, SPECT scans, intraoperative MRIs. What does this do differently for you as a neurosurgeon? For a neurosurgeon, we can image the tumor or image the area of the tumor very well preoperatively, but once you're actually operating on the tumor, the center of the tumor is very obvious and you know straightforward to remove. But once you get to the margins, it becomes more difficult to determine what is tumor and what is normal brain. And so we need any help possible. And the ability to sort of color code the surgery where it distinguishes tumor from normal brain is a huge help to achieve a more total resection. What type of brain tumors have this technique been applied to, and specifically, what's your experience so far? Well, my personal experience is limited. The German experience and now Japanese experience is quite extensive. But this dye is used for malignant tumors of the brain in adults and children, and the Germans have done, as a cooperative study, over 200. We did our first case, I believe, in the United States here in April, and did the first child ever to use this technique in August. 
And what type of tumor was that for? Well, the adult was the same type of tumors that the Germans were using, was a glioblastoma. And the child was a, what's called PXA, which is a more benign type of tumor, and surprisingly lit up and was extremely helpful in allowing us to remove the total tumor. And the child is doing? The child's doing perfect. With gliomas, I guess, because they have sort of this insidious way of inserting themselves throughout the brain or through normal tissue, how small an area can they visualize? I mean, are we talking, you know, a thousand cells, um, a centimeter does it have to be before you see it? How, how big an area or how small an area can you actually see? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, the, the tumors tend to be, by the time they present or become symptomatic, are quite easily seen uh, most of the time on MRI studies. In surgery, as I mentioned, the center of the tumor is usually pretty obvious. And then at the end of the operation, uh, when you think you've got it all in the, under the microscope, the experience I've had is that there'll be what looks like mostly clean, but then maybe a little nodule that glows, um, probably measuring in the matter of three or four millimeters sometimes. And uh, then that can be removed. Afterwards, is this fluorescent dye, does it enhance, say, on a post-operative MRI? No, it doesn't. So you have to see it. Now, does it have to be on the surface, or how, you know, how deep within the, the brain structure can, will this dye appear? Yeah, that's a good question. It relies on the penetration of the blue light that is shining on it. So it has to be in direct exposure to the blue light. So if the blue light is transmitted through several cell layers, the fluorescence will occur. But if there's a layer of blood or debris over the tumor, the tumor will not fluoresce. I'd like to welcome those who are just joining us at the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and with me today is Dr. John Ruge, director of the Midwest Children's Brain Tumor Center in Park Ridge, Illinois. We're discussing how direct intraoperative visualization of a brain tumor leads to more complete resection and hopefully better outcomes. So it's pretty much a surface marker then. Is that the fair takeaway message? The whole entire tumor takes up this dye, but we only interact with it at the surface. Now, as you get down to lower levels, do you sort of shine the light again and you go step by step? You sort of kind of like an archaeologist sort of taking away a layer of dirt at the time? That's exactly right. It's a good analogy. The microscope is adapted with a little toggle switch that will switch between the excitation light and a normal white light. And so we toggle back and forth as we operate. And like an archaeologist, goes deeper and deeper into the tumor. Now, in Germany and perhaps Japan, where there's been more experience, I think you've said 10 years of experience, is this become a standard part of their surgical routine for brain tumor surgery? In Germany, yes. And, you know, what's remarkable, I was skeptical about this technique until I use it. I really am excited about it because I think it will, in certain tumor types, allow the neurosurgeons to do a better job. And so I, I hope that other neurosurgeons, I know there's a great deal of interest now, and I'm, I'm sure it will become a part of the technique. Now, for neurosurgeons themselves who are interested in learning more about it, is there any place they can go to in this country? Are there any conferences upcoming? Well, we do have a conference that we're inviting. The Germans will be there, Dr. Stummer and the Japanese, October 30th in Chicago. And for more information, some physicians interested in attending, how would they get more information? They can contact our center or call 847-723-5105. Is there a website as well if they want more information? Yes, if they just search on the Midwest Children's Brain Tumor Center in Park Ridge, Google that and 
they'll get to it. They'll get to the conference. Uh, is this a one-day conference? Yes, it's just a symposium. It's focused totally on 5-ALA and brain tumor resection. We're going to go over how to institute a protocol like this in your hospital in the United States and how we went through the FDA in the process. And also uh, look at what's next on the horizon with uh, really the true leaders in the field from uh, Japan and Germany. Can you give us any insights? We're always looking for what's next on the horizon. Well, you know what? I think it's, what's coming up is that this is going to be used in children and in tumors that are not totally malignant, but in a, a great diversity of tumor leading to a tremendous advance in our ability to take care of these children. I have a particular interest in meningiomas, as you may know. And is that a tumor that you would use this in? Uh, actually, no. That tumor is usually pretty well demarcated on its own and typically benign and doesn't pose a, the same problems usually. Could you use it? In other words, like sometimes these tumors are close to the optic nerve or the carotid artery and, you know, you want to get as much as possible. Could you use it in a situation like that? Yes, that is the case. It's not useful. It has to be very selective on which tumor types you use. And we're learning more about the applicability of this. But yes, when you need to distinguish what's tumor and what's critical structure, it's another technique that I think is going to serve an important role. As of now, what tumors specifically in children would you be using this technique for? The malignant tumors. And it has not been shown yet, and that's why we're doing the study, exactly which tumors will take this dye up. We know in adults it's the most common malignant tumor, unfortunately the most common tumor adulthood, which is a glioblastoma. But in children, it's an area wide open for research. And so, say on your list, because again, you went through an IRB, so I assume you probably had to give them some specific diagnoses. Could you tell us which ones are currently approved at Lutheran General Hospital? Yeah, and basically all the malignant tumors. So astrocytomas, glioblastomas, anaplastic astrocytomas, a malignant tumors such as ependymomas, medulloblastomas. And then you said for the benign tumor, so currently that's the upcoming area of interest, I guess. That's the hot area? That's right. Some of these tumors you can't tell short of biopsy on if they're malignant or non-malignant. And the one eight-year-old girl that we operated on with this, with a benign tumor, we initially thought it was a malignant tumor. So it was surprising that this tumor dye uh, took up, and it really did. I, when I was done during the surgery, I thought I was done, and for us, the field, and there was a little nodule, and I took it, and I sent it for biopsy to see if it was tumor or not tumor right away. And indeed, it was tumor, and I would have left that otherwise. And the girl has is, is also now avoided the need for radiation after surgery because of this. Ah, so that's another definite positive upside risk. Are there any downside risks to the procedure? Yes. Unfortunately, the 5-ALA is a normal metabolite, and so the body's used to it. We do give it in higher concentration, and it's not indicated in the people who have porphyria or hemoglobin synthesis problems. And the downside is that if you are exposed to sunlight or ambient light, for a period of 24 hours, it can cause an itching reaction or a rash on your skin. And so we keep these people in a darkened environment for 48 hours after surgery while it's eliminated from the body. Is there anything that keeps you up at night worrying? You know, you're getting ready to go into surgery. Is there anything about the technique or the procedure that... The only thing is that the absorption of it. We had one child that we did not fluoresce, and it was given several hours before surgery. And the anesthesiologist, from before placing the tube to intubation, aspirated 200 cc's of fluid out of the abdomen, and I think also aspirated our dye out. So the absorption of this is something I somewhat worry about sometimes. Are you ready to consider, it, or in the United States, can we consider this an up-and-coming standard for brain tumor? Do we have enough evidence from around the world that 
other neurosurgeons could begin to apply this technique here? Certainly for adult glioblastomas. Mm-hmm. In those particular situations where the goal is a complete resection, there are certain tumors because based on the location that that is not the goal. The goal is to uh, decompress and uh, subtotally resect, but that I feel comfortable about. We have more to do in establishing it as useful in other tumor types. I'd like to thank Dr. John Ruge, who's been my guest at the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and we've been discussing how intraoperative visualization of brain tumors leads to more complete resection and hopefully much better outcomes. Thanks for listening. I wish you good day and good health. This is Dr. Anthony Yan from New York, and you are listening to the first national radio channel created specifically for medical professionals, ReachMD XM 157.